0: welcome to Widdicombe, Webb and Wobberts. My name is Emma Webb and as usual I am joined by former Shadow Home Secretary and Brexit Party MEP Anne Widdicombe and Abby Wobberts, the comedian who is back uh, from her sojourn in an illness that was not Covid, <coughs> one of the rarer. So this week we're obviously starting on a sombre note um, because of the killing of Conservative MP David Amos. Um, And I think we'll probably just dive straight into that um, without much introduction. I'm sure everybody has seen the news coverage over the last um, couple of days. Um, So if we wanted to start, I think just with Anne, because Anne uh, knew him personally.
1: Uh, Indeed, he was um, a, a very close personal friend. I've known him for years and years, ever since I entered Parliament in 1987. Um, I was a close friend of the family, godmother to one of the children. So it's much more than just an MP to me, mm-hmm. it's it's a very close friend. Uh, and it is indeed horrendous. I and mean, the thing about David was he was always so full of enthusiasm, I mean, he used to bubble away about South End all the time, mm-hmm. trying to get its city status. Uh, and he was terribly enthusiastic about Parliament and its traditions. And even in the age of the all-night sittings, he would be among the last to leave. He just wanted to be there, wanted to be involved. And I think of him going to his constituency surgery that, that terrible morning, going in in, a, in in his usual way, all full of enthusiasm, wondering who he was going to meet, wondering what problems would be, looking forward to getting stuck in, and mm-hmm. then that.
0: And do you feel that um, you know there were a, a lot of eulogies in, in Parliament and the the silence that was held. Um, do you have any reflections on that? You any particular sort of feelings about some of the speeches that um, some MPs have given?
1: Well, the speeches were, uh, were wonderful and I'm sure David would have absolutely loved them. The flags were at half-mast at both houses of Parliament, uh, suspended all normal business to pay tributes. Uh, and it was indeed uh, about a remarkable <laughs> man. So uh, it was, I think it was a very moving occasion. I know that his wife Julia was very very touched by it.
0: Mm-hmm. And a lot of the um, sort of it, in the first couple of hours I guess it would have been there were some interviews by um, the press of constituents. I imagine, I assume they were constituents, local people who knew him and one of the things that I noticed was that if, through and through almost every single interview the word approachable kept coming up and as someone who has never met him Leon C is actually very close to where I'm from Um, so for me it's almost a neighbouring constituency I was very much aware of the fact that since I was four years old he'd been the MP of the. it's almost like his furniture in Essex Um, and as I say you know the word approachable kept coming up and it just sounded to me like he was the epitome of the constituency MP, someone who was just absolutely part of his people. People have been saying that it didn't matter whether you voted for him or not, he would represent everyone in his constituency, whether it was, you know, helping refugees, whether it was um, stuff to do with uh, animal rights and things like that. There were so many causes that were dear to his heart, but he was really representing his constituency and that
1: Traditional, old fashioned sort of way. I think when you use the word approachable, you're implying that people could approach him. Mm-hmm. But in fact, he used to approach everybody else. <laughs> I mean, I always say when talking about David that, you know, there's no such thing as a waiter who comes to take his order, uh, who can then take the order before David has spent 10 minutes getting all his personal history out of him. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, and trying to get him away from an event, you know, was almost impossible because mm-hmm. he always wanted to talk to people at huge length. Uh, and so he wasn't just approachable he was approaching as well. Mm -hmm.
0: The speaker Lindsay Hoyle as well said that um, that he would come into their office just to talk to the staff and that when someone left after 28 years he showered him with presents and someone else was saying that when Um, He he would see him travelling late night back um, to the constituency from London on the train and that he was never somebody who just sit there and read his book. He would be talking to everyone on the train.
1: Yeah, that that is very much David. Uh, My own ex-staff who were all writing to me at at, at the time when it happened uh, were all recalling when he would come into their office, you know, never Mm -hmm. mind his own office. Uh, uh, He would come into their office and always had a joke and a funny story. Mm Uh, and they were all recalling that, and 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 that was the essential David Amos.
0: And what yeah. what were your, if you don't mind me asking, what were your first thoughts when you when you heard the news?
1: Disbelief, just total disbelief. I'm still in 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 denial to a certain extent, and it's very very difficult to believe. I was away at the time. Uh, I was on a train when I heard. I heard from his wife who said it's not looking good, and then uh, not very long after that, minutes rather than hours. Um, she was the widow who said to me he's gone or he's died Uh, and uh, I still can't believe it, I came home from that weekend away uh, and opened my front door and there was his face looking up at me from every single newspaper that was Mm -hmm. on the doormat and you can't say how you feel, I mean everybody I've spoken to who knows him well, Everybody is saying we just can't believe it's happened. Mm-hmm. Why? You know, the, the, sort of the endless question. Why? Why would anybody mm-hmm. want to do that?
0: And can I ask you also if you remember the first time that you met him? If you have any recollections of your sort of first impressions of him?
1: Well, I, I, I actually met him first of all in a very serious context because we, we were both involved in the big pro-life campaigns of the late 80s and the early 90s when there were a number of bills going through Parliament uh, and we and we were very heavily engaged in it. And that's when I got to know him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was a tremendous practical joker. You know, I can remember one day we, we'd both gone up to the constituency of Ken Hargreaves, which was in Lancashire. Uh, and we were sitting there in Ken's lounge and Ken went out to do something. The phone went and David picked it up. Uh, and uh, there was a constituent on the other end and David just pretended to be Ken (laughs) 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 Hargreaves. started advising the constituent
0: (laughs) Uh, I I think I'm probably you know one of many people I've seen on Twitter saying they wish that they'd met him Mm -hmm. Um, because like I say, I was aware that he was a piece of furniture in Essex (laughs) in a a neighbouring constituency but I actually never had the pleasure to meet him and I know that he um, new Andrew Rosendale who is very much yes, our neighbouring MP. Yeah. CMP um, and they obviously have in common their total love of animals and um, oh. one of the first things that um, I did you know in, in, within a couple of hours afterwards I ended up sort of scrolling through all of these photos on uh, on Google Images and, and more probably more than 50% of his photos available mm-hmm. online are him with animals yeah. Um, yeah, He's
1: one of the very few backbenchers who's actually got uh, a bill onto the statute book uh, and it was about uh, tethering of mm-hmm. ponies and donkeys, and of course he was photographed outside Parliament on a horse. Um, and <laughs> oh, yeah, as far that. as I know, <laughs> never ridden in his life. But he was there on this horse outside Parliament, mm-hmm. and he inherited my office. Well, that is to say, he and I conspired to make sure that he did, because it was mm-hmm. a nice big office. Because when I got it, I was Shadow Home Secretary, and he was determined he was going to have this when I left. Uh, and we agreed that possession was nine-tenths of the law. So if he just moved everything in (laughs) uh, before I'd moved everything out, it was fine. You know, nobody was going to argue about it. And I went back in to see it after the election. He was indeed there. And it was, I mean, with me, it had been an office, you know, there was a conference table and there were filing cabinets and it was an office. And I went in and it was a botanical garden and, and we had fish tanks and we had birds in cages and these enormous plants and uh, memorabilia all over the walls and uh, didn't look like an MP's office at He all. sounds like he such a character. When,
0: yeah. And also, when he was knighted, there was that brilliant photo. And actually, I can't remember which newspaper it was. I think it was the Daily Mail. Did a huge spread um, of him um, on horseback dressed as a knight. <laughs> yeah, in a <saw> <laughs> yeah,
2: wood. Yeah, yes, yeah.
0: And there's yeah. the, there's a, was another photo of him as well outside of Parliament holding two very um, uppity-looking horses, which I assume must have been something to do with to that, that tethering bill, yeah. act. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So I I moving on slightly to the reaction to it. Yeah. Um, do you have any reflections on you know the the, the fact that, that I mean the conversation has obviously very quickly turned to. Um, the safety of mps and whether there should be extra restrictions for close constituency surgeries because obviously um joe cox was also murdered i think it was outside of her constituency surgery um and there have been other instances as well of attacks at, at surgeries as well so is what are your thoughts on that do you think that's going to affect democracy if they go ahead with that when you were an mp did you feel that you know, your safety was at risk? Do you think that- No,
1: no, I didn't. Um, I once, when I was very, first an MP indeed, uh, made some very disobliging comments about the IRA. Uh, and death threats came in purporting to be from the IRA. And I just said to my staff, if the IRA were going to do anything, they would just do it. They wouldn't bother threatening. Forget it. Put Don't it worry, the call Put first. it in the waste paper basket. Yeah. And, and I think you do have to keep a sense of proportion. And the one thing David would not want, David of all people would not want, is for MPs to be separated for their constituents. Mm-hmm. For us to do constituency surgeries with police outside the door with screens. Um, it's crucial that MPs can mingle perfectly freely with their constituents in surgery, visiting constituents in their own homes, which mm-hmm. we, you know, we, we all used to do a lot. Um, meeting constituents on the streets, going to events, you know, going to public fates and all the rest of it. And if you can't do that. Then that really will be a massive disservice to democracy. Mm-hmm. And David would not want that those sorts of restrictions imposed in his name. He would not want it. And what what do you think of
0: uh, both of you? Firstly, what he would have thought, but also what your views are on this suggestion that there should be background checks on constituents going to see their MPs to see if they've got a criminal record? God so forbid. On.
1: God forbid, yeah. quite honestly. And a constituent coming to see an MP is like a patient going to see a doctor.
2: Mm-hmm. You
1: don't yeah. go in, they've come with a problem that they're expecting you to address. And if you start saying you're going to do criminal record checks, they won't come. If
2: mm-hmm. they've
1: got anything in the past, they won't come. And, yeah. and that is quite wrong, that is a denial of a vital service. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I would simply refuse, if I were an MP, I would refuse to give any such
0: list. Those with criminal records are still
1: eligible to vote, so it seems like an absurd suggestion. And they're eligible for help. You know, would you prevent them going to hospital? If not, why prevent them coming to see the MP? Mm -hmm. You know, would you prevent them going to see a solicitor or prevent them going to see an accountant or any other professional? Why shouldn't they see an MP? That is ridiculous. Mm-hmm, yeah. And David would have said
2: it is ridiculous. Yeah, we don't, we don't want this, what's happened, to allow people, shall we say, with, with authoritarian um, uh, intent to use incidents like this to let things slip in through the back door because it's very easy isn't it to say well let's just shut it was what happened after 9 11 where cctv cameras were put everywhere and all of a sudden we become a surveillance state we we don't want that i agree with anne that if we start going down that path then i mean it really is going to be you know sort of houses of commons and then the people and they'll get wider and wider and wider gap and in my dangerous. time
1: in Parliament, we had an incident in which Fathers for Justice, which by the way is an organisation I support, but I didn't support this I particular. Then, the
2: action.
1: That's right, yeah, they love up that. Buckingham Palace. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but they were in the public gallery in the House of Commons and they threw talcum powder at the Prime Minister. Now, <laughs> it was only talcum powder. Mm. But of course, everybody said, oh, it could have been anthrax. So they set a screen up between the Public Gallery and the Chamber and that was the first time that had happened. We'd gone through all the IRA, we'd gone sure. through all the terrorism, we'd gone through mm-hmm. everything and suddenly there it was uh, because somebody had thrown some talk and powder at the Prime Minister. And that in my view at the time was a gross overreaction. I used to look up and see a screen instead of, yeah. and, and it, mm-hmm. it is not what I wanted to see. Oh, Do you think that the response?
0: I mean, obviously, there's a lot we can talk about in relation to the way that people have responded to this, particularly the focus on social media rather than talking about extremism Mm -hmm. and the motivations of potential motivations of the attacker. Um, but do you think that the response has been proportionate, or the suggestions about David's law, um, which some uh, people are suggesting, and Priti Patel talking about regulating um, on, online um, speech more? And, um, uh, oh, don't Dominic worry, Priti Raab Patel well. says
1: she's going to do something that won't happen. To yeah. that, 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 yeah, exactly. That, that's immensely reassuring. If you she's yeah. saying. That. Do you yeah. think? Do you think yeah.
0: that the, the, the focus on needing to regulate? Um, what they think is a sort of toxic atmosphere within Parliament, attacks on Angela Rayner for her comments about Tory scum, do you think that that is just a, is that an inappropriate
1: reaction to it? What do you think he
0: would have thought of of that reaction?
1: Well I mean David hated those sorts of campaigns on social media but the fact is they've been with us forever or ever since social media uh, came into being. Um, and uh, they are unpleasant and they are quite wrong and occasionally i think they should actually you know be taken down uh, and be censored Uh, and i do think that but i think the idea that you can somehow legislate for people's behavior and uh, for their Mm. attitudes um, is naive you can't regulate people's behavior there was a time when People would have been saying this sort of thing, but they would have been saying it in the corners of pubs to their mates, and nobody yeah. else would know about exactly. it. Now yeah. they fire it mm. across social media.
2: And we're, we're conflating speech with action, which is happening a lot in other areas. Well, this, so this I like. is the. I, fi, I mean, I find
0: it interesting that there wasn't any discussion really around, uh, other than on certain channels like talk radio or on GB news mm-hmm. where they did talk about Islamist extremism they were talking about the fact that it wasn't being discussed more broadly that the focus had immediately turned onto social media um, and that Dominic Raab just as one example when he was doing the media rounds um, I think it was yesterday morning uh, this is a quote from him he, he sort of pinned it on the as he put it widespread vilification of politicians said that online hate is out of control and that it is incumbent on all of us as a society because this creates a climate of hatred and so it seemed that and as I say this idea of David's law which is um, it seems is being suggested as something that would be um, limiting the expression of hate online it seems that even though all of the information that we have so far about what has happened is all we know from the police is that there is a man who has been arrested he's being detained under the terrorism act he hasn't been charged yet and the police have stated that they're investigating an islamist extremist motive that's all we have we don't have anything to do with radicalization all of this talk about pretty patel wanting to ban anonymity online um no. all of that kind of thing do you think that's disproportionate do you think Ashley, that, how do quite, you make
1: sense of that reaction i'd be quite in favor of banning anonymity online, because mm. I've always taken the view that if you've got something to say, say it. Yeah. You know? And if you have to hide when you're saying it, then there is something radically wrong. So actually, I don't have a problem with that. I know that probably mm-hmm. you know, goes against very much. Um, uh, uh, the grain with you, but I I have always felt if you've got something to say, put your name to it. Then, if somebody wants to take any action about it, they can do they, so. Yeah, yeah.
2: I, I yeah. My my one fear slightly is with people with whistleblowers um, that need to. I mean. You know, need to sort of remain remain anonymous. Um, so where does it go? You know, if you sort of always have to say this is who I am, then it's going to be going to make it very difficult. And the reason why yeah. I think anonymity is important for
0: for free speech in general is because yeah. you mentioned whistleblowers, but also pro democracy. Dissidents, um, people mm. who are seeking anonymous uh, advice online, which I think people are entirely entitled Putin, to Putin's do. Um, who, but who also, and, I, and this was a point that I, I believe it was made by Matt Lesh, um, I think was at the ASI and is now at the IA, um mm. on Twitter, which is that it's not just it's not just pro democracy pro democracy dissidents in places like Hong Kong or Belarus, it's also people here, gender critical feminists, who might like to express their views but don't want to be seen because they fear that for their job, even though they should be allowed to say those things, they can only yeah. say them anonymously or because they have a particular job and, and, and therefore they are not able to participate openly yeah. in online discussions.
1: Add all those categories up, Emma. And what sort of proportion do you think it is of social media as a whole? I mean, the fact is, you know, anonymity in those sorts of cases is one thing, but that is not what anonymity is usually used for. Um, And and it's it's used to spread hatred, and, and, you know, and I take the line very firmly that if you say something, you are responsible for what you say and you should be traceable. There was actually a
0: study done on this that found that it was actually the the non-anonymous accounts that were more aggressive online than the anonymous yeah. ones. Yeah. So actually I think a lot of the time anonymous accounts are just people who are almost voyeurs on social media. They're there because they're keeping up with the news and so on and they want to participate in discussions but they don't necessarily want to be seen and so on. But mm. it's not because they're spreading hate Another example of this is, and she's no longer on Twitter, actually, a, a grooming gang survivor who um, was had her Twitter account taken away from her for whatever reason. I think probably she was um, Twitter mobbed and people were reporting her account. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are people like grooming gang survivors on there who may wish to remain anonymous because for various reasons.
1: One of the no, reasons- I say, I say again, you are picking on the very extreme cases. You are not looking at the use of social media as a whole. Which has, social media can be a tremendous force for good, but it is all too often the exact opposite. But is that a price worth paying in order to allow those people to have a voice? That does not mean that you have to put Mary Smith of Three Railway Cuttings. On your email, <laughs> what it means is that if you do something that is wrong or say something yeah. that is wrong, and somebody wishes redress, <laughs> that you, they, that person can find out who Mary Smith of three railway cuttings is. And if
2: Mary Smith of three railway cuttings is listening in, we're really sorry we've just <laughs> just given giving you away. But I, I was just going to say, um, but slight, but isn't it? I I I, I see, hear both arguments, but isn't it to do with the principle, like Emma was saying, that if sort of the sort the, the the it's the principle of it a bit like when people say why if I've got nothing to hide why shouldn't there be surveillance on me it's it's, it's that which is which is that's not the point is that it's not that you fact you haven't got anything to hide it's the fact that there's people watching you when something else
0: something else that has been pointed out I believe it was in an article in spiked um, is how do you if If you do have it so that people can be publicly anonymous but privately the companies they're verified companies know who they are either you need some kind of if it comes from the government you need some kind of ID I don't really know how that would work but the the more likely suggestion would be that the companies themselves would hold that information Mm. but companies like Facebook have had numerous breaches of that information and if you took a case of somebody who wants to be online but for maybe you know child protection reasons or maybe they've been a victim of abuse or something or a grooming gang survivor and as I know of this particular case of this lady who was thrown off she didn't want to give them anything to verify her account because she doesn't give she I, I knew her and she wouldn't even tell me what her name was and so really terrified exactly of, uh, and so and so the you, gangs the, even if it was the case that you would be publicly anonymous do you want these big
1: tech companies to have that
0: information I do. Place. I do
1: want that information available, not publicly available, but um, accessible. Um, and all I would say is, yes, there can be breaches of confidentiality. There have been. The banks have lost, you know, people's uh, documents, uh, and the health service has. Mm. And there are always scandals about, you know, breaches of confidentiality, and that is something that needs addressing in its own right. But I don't think you can say that just because it is a big company. Uh, therefore, uh, you know there's bound to be a breach and 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 that's uh, that's dangerous. Um, breaches are always dangerous, but they can mm-hmm. occur anywhere. Mm-hmm. They don't just have to occur uh, uh, on social media. So all I'm saying is I'm quite mm-hmm. happy for people to be publicly anonymous, providing that the companies know who they are, and under certain very restricted conditions, you know and you can you can lay down all the checks that you want for restricted conditions it should be possible to find out who somebody is mm-hmm.
2: and of course the reality is big tech probably knows who you are anyway she true. said she says you know right. throwing in a sinister quite. note I mean, yeah. the
0: big old elephant in the room because we've actually done what the oh, press elephant. have
2: done which is we've we've been talking
0: about the social media side of things mm. my question mm. and this is something that perplexes me is how on earth we got from what happened Yep. almost immediately to talking about social media even though that's where hate spreads even though it, yeah but
1: because that's where hate spreads that's why that,
0: that is the stepping do stone do you think it's wrong that we haven't uh, uh, within the mainstream media there hasn't been yes. a, a lot of conversation around the one thing that we do know from the police which is that they're
1: investigating an Islamist extremist motive and I'll tell you motive. exactly why there hasn't been that conversation the law is very strict in this country about prejudicing trials Mm -hmm. The fact that the police are looking into something does not mean that it is established as fact. Uh, And uh, until it is, uh, you could actually end up with some very clever defence barrister saying, you know, um, uh, my defendant cannot get a a fair trial. It's quite impossible. Mm -hmm. So therefore, Mm -hmm. if the police are looking at something, frankly, the most responsible thing the rest of us can do is to note that and then Mm -hmm. shut up. But we don't, or we also don't know that the reason
0: why, I mean if it is, if it is an Islamist attack, then it's very unlikely that for example, Mm. people have blamed the toxicity within parliamentary, I don't think he was sitting there watching BBC Parliament, Um, I think it's (laughs) very unlikely (laughs) that he has been, or that he was, maybe maybe he was at the Labour Party conference, I don't know, but you know, if if it is an Islamist motive, then the conversation around the online atmosphere Mm. is going to have very little bearing. On the, on the motivation. May have very
1: little bearing on this particular case, but it has a lot of bearing on society in general and the way that we're operating and the way that hate is spreading. You can have that conversation, I think is perfectly reasonable conversation to have.
2: But what's interesting, I mean, the in the, the IRA's time, there was no social media, but no. the hate for this no. country was, was, mm-hmm. was, as we all know, I mean, I lived through the, I was actually, in, just left Harrods when the, the Harrods bomb of I'd left with my mother I mean literally half an hour I missed four. the Brighton
1: bomb by 20 so minutes really? yeah.
2: So yeah. so it's all it was yeah. all very there it was there we mm-hmm. knew about it because if people I mean from sorry this has a bit uh, sort of a bit of a cliche but to me hatred starts starts in there and if and if that it, 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 we need a wider conversation I think about um well I mean, we'll probably get onto this but, but about the fact this is a judeo-christian country and we're tolerant of faiths but we have to establish the judeo-christian bit first mm-hmm. otherwise what's going to happen is um, everyone's going to try and um, assert their dominance in this country and and f- f- god rest to david he is one the vi- oh, the, 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 another victim of it
1: and um, while we're on the subject of christianity mm-hmm. i gather that he was denied the last rights yeah he was i can't believe i her. cried when i heard that i hand. can't
0: believe it so i wanted yeah. um, i actually wanted to How read can the out the police so ignorant i wanted to read out All the police in. statement for you to respond to um because it's a it's a long one so so bear with me um i'll just read it out in full the police said uh, as with any police incident it is of the utmost importance that we preserve the integrity of a crime scene and allow emergency services to tend to those in need a cordon is put in place to secure and prevent contamination of the area Access to a scene is at the discretion of the investigating officers. This is a fundamental part of any investigation to ensure the best possible chance of securing justice for any victim and their family. A cordon can also be used to restrict an area for emergency services to administer potentially life saving medical treatment in as much privacy as possible and to allow officers to confirm an area is safe to enter. Do you think that giving the last rites should be regarded as an emergency service? I was going to say, Dear Chief
1: Constable, (laughs) if you are a dying Catholic, the priest is an emergency Mm -hmm. service. Dear Chief Constable, of course, it's very important to save lives. But does it do not understand that if you're a Catholic, the saving of your immortal soul is also really rather important? And dear Mm -hmm. Chief Constable, if I should ever be so unfortunate uh, to be in need of the last rights inside a close-off zone, will you please make sure that I get them?
2: <laughs> here, here. Could Chief, could Constable, Chief Constable of Three Cuttings. I hope, Chief Constable. Yeah, exactly. I hope you're listening, Chief Constable. You've I was honestly, when I read that, I I couldn't believe it. The denial of the last rights. I cried because I thought that is, it it sort of went, it went to the kernel, I think, of what's wrong with this country is that we're sort of, it's, you know, computer says no. Yeah, sorry, we're not able to, the the rule rule book book says says not, not, where's the humanity? Where's Mm. the, you know, the respect for this man? Um, oh, they wouldn't uh, have understood it. They no, wouldn't have
1: understood what they are. I
2: was. Re- I was. Do you appalled. think
0: it was a case that they actually just simply did not know what the last oh, rites were? Had
1: no clue. What? What? And thought, why is this priest priest trying to they get into the, the priest, court they thought, what
2: was that? Mm. You know, coming. To, I mean, it's it's horrendous. It,
1: it, it, it is absolutely horrendous.
2: Yeah, there's a lot around this about it, culture and you know, I mean, everything. I sort think of we. Mixed so in. we should
0: definitely return to it. But I'm going to ask you this, just because I think that probably those watching will want me to ask you this. Don't you think that, and this is, I've seen this, various commentators have been talking about this over the last day or so, uh, which is this question of, it may be the case that there is a discussion to be had about the social media stuff and um, the the way that MPs... I actually think that MPs should hold themselves to a higher professional standard than they do in the way they sling mud at each other. I think many of them, like Angela Rayner, don't act very professionally, but that that is a separate conversation to be had. And yes, I do take your point about prejudicing trials, but do you think that actually the reason why the, the conversation has immediately turned to this mm. is because it's something that feels like it's more within our control, whereas the Islamist extremist problem is something that keeps coming back. We've struggled to deal with it. Always talking about online radicalization and things like that that seem easier to solve than the real life problem. Do you think yeah. that is the reason why we've almost skipped the Groundhog Day part that we Definitely. usually the formulas that we normally recite in response yeah. to attacks? And because if in a case like Joe Cox, we quite rightly we're all talking about far right extremism in relation to it. It was one of the first things that that people were discussing. So my question would be, and I think this is probably what those watching would want to know what your views are on this, do you think that these are two separate conversations that the question is how did we get from one to the other so quickly? Why did that happen?
1: I think there were a lot of conversations, I mean if you actually look at the headlines, you know the fact that um, a suspect uh, had been referred to the prevent programme at one point, you know, all this was rehearsed. Mm. I, I, I don't think it was ignored, it was all rehearsed. But then it got on to hatred in general. Mm. And you can't ignore the fact that MPs in Parliament were talking about hatred and social media. So, mm. I mean, I think the conversation just did move on, but I, I, I can be very, very careful about prejudicing trials.
0: But is the reason why it did move on in that way, because MPs with the online safety bill and all no. of these other conversations that are happening at the moment, they were already thinking about this they were already talking about it and so it sort of became part of this bigger abstract and i think that often in response to terror attacks we're in danger of always very quickly jumping into the very very large area of things that are tangentially related to the problem Mm. and never looking at the problem in the face
2: we're terrified i have no i have no idea why we're more afraid of offending people than we are of people being murdered in cold blood that's that's where we are
0: there has and talk radio absolutely credit to talk radio have had lots of discussions about um, Islamism yes. and some people are saying we shouldn't be calling it Islamist terrorism we you know that is discrim—it's discriminatory or it stirs up hatred against uh, against the Muslim community thing. but my my argument would be Islamism is a distinct thing it is mm. an intellectual tradition that and it is Islamist terrorism that is the phenomenon um, but I find it interesting that so quickly and you know we, it's it's the classic deflection you know that when whenever whenever something happens we always end up talking about something that is something else exactly not so quickly the... and I think I wonder whether that is because we genuinely do not
1: no, I know think, how to deal with the, the problem. No, I think the fear is um, that if you start talking about Islamist terrorism uh, you're going to be branding all Muslims in a particular way. Now in case you think that's silly, just no. reflect no. how the British public behaves. In the First World War it used to kick Dachshunds across the street uh, because no, they were no, just... that's that used to not true, It is absolutely true. Uh, in the Second were World actions War... actions Dachshunds
2: terrorists at that time? Were they they were Germans. T- they they a were German, That's
1: true. That's what it was about the First yes. World War. You, you, oh, you don't remember? <laughs> no, of course you don't. <laughs> I'm not
2: you quite know, that old.
1: Do you recall your history? <laughs> uh, and and in <laughs> the Second World War, Italian restaurants were burnt down. Uh, um, you know, the, the British public can behave badly, and I think there's always that fear there. But <laughs> once you start talking about Islam, yes. you're somehow, I mean I know you're not, but the yes. fear is that you are somehow but branding all Muslims. But don't That's we ha- fear. But
0: don't we have to, if if your argument is that that, that Islam is one thing and Islamism is another thing, mm. isn't it important to to be able to name Islamism well, as being yeah. the motivation to actually mm. be able to describe the thing that you're talking about? I'm not about saying you shouldn't, I'm trying to explain
1: to
2: you yes, what I the fear is. The
0: there's a, so there's a question here um, from Robin Forsyth, um, he asks about Salman Abedi, um and uh, how his, Salman Abedi's older brother, the Manchester Arena bomber, mm. has left the UK. He said when a uh, um, authority is going to get a grip on what we've been discussing, uh, why haven't they done so already?
1: Well I don't know why they haven't done so already, I suspect the will isn't there. Yeah. The will isn't there. Yeah. I mean, it was like those grooming gangs with those girls. Yeah. Uh, you know, and they didn't do anything because they were afraid that in the course of protecting women, they were going to uh, racial offense racial offence. Yes. Uh, and, and, and so the
2: will is not there. The will to actually get to yes. or something is not there. You're right. The will and also the, the pride in being British, which includes tolerance, but must also include recognising our cultural history, mm-hmm. because if we don't, Sorry, I keep repeating Douglas Murray saying, we are going to be go-, you know, we are going to end up sort of, yeah, in a very dangerous place.
0: So we shall return to the subject of Christianity in a bit, but first I want to talk about, again, on the topic of uh, online uh, censorship and so on. Uh, David Davis, this is, this really goes to the heart of how much do you trust social media companies yeah. to decide what is and is not allowed to be said on their platforms david davis the mp uh, he did a talk a conservative party conference with uh, very ironically given what happened big brother watch the organization um and i'm sure everyone can figure out from the name what big brother watch is all <laughs> yeah. about um keeping an eye on big brother and big brother then in this case google which owns youtube removed his very well evidenced very fair and measured uh speech the video took it down from youtube Um, and he's written a very interesting piece in the express um talking about how uh, so he says here um He says, I have been a strong advocate for vaccines and science based policy. But a core premise of science is challenging conventional wisdom and being unafraid to speak your mind. Difference of opinion arbitrated by the facts, not powerful platform Mm -hmm. providers on the other side of the world. Um, And he goes on to say that it showed in the clearest terms why Big Tech cannot be trusted to police our speech. Um, And he also talks as well uh, about how um, and I think this is very interesting as well, is that the policy that YouTube use in taking these things down, they actually took down talk radio um, at a time a, a while ago um, for what they had been putting out on pandemic related things, I think probably anti-mask, anti-lockdown. Um, and he said that their policy is basically to, um, to remove things that contradict local health authorities or the World Health Organization. So he said, uh, <laughs> in debating a key aspect of national health policy, I cannot, dis- I cannot disagree with the government, question mark. Um, you could be forgiven for thinking we had suddenly been transported to China. Yeah, so what, what do you think I of mean, this? I,
1: I, I think those are very reasonable observations uh, from David Davis. Um, the fact is that that is censorship, not on the basis of harm being done or crimes being committed mm. but simply on the basis that somebody is is um, confronting and challenging state orthodoxy mm-hmm. And the very definition of freedom is that you can challenge state orthodoxy mm. And the very definition of
2: fascism is that you can't Yeah, agreed and something very strange has happened. Science has become You know one-sided has become a I sort it's of... it's not challengeable. Exactly you know, it's- Science is a
0: discussion, that's exactly. the exactly. nature of it. It's
2: a discussion, it's, 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 it's weird, it's everything, is um, the nature of things has been changed um, quite drastically over the last 18 or so months. So science has changed, but also this, the, what's happening with, with, you know, David Davis is discussing vaccine passports. I mean, it's very, it's, it's, it's yeah, it's most peculiar.
0: I'm aware that we're um, getting short on time. So yeah. there are two oh. more things that I want to ask you about quickly before we, um, close. The first is the as I said we would return to the subject of Christianity, yep. the conversion of the Anglican uh, bishop Nazir Ali um, to Catholicism. What are your thoughts?
1: Hugely significant this one because unlike recent trends, because um, I mean Church of England has lost bishops to Rome um, now for some years, uh, but the, um, unlike uh, the usual pattern he was not an Anglo-Catholic. That is, he was not already in some Gavin Ashenden, who recently converted to. He wasn't an Anglo-Catholic. He was, in fact, much nearer to the evangelical wing. So he Mm -hmm. really has done an enormous uh, jump. Now that is very significant because once that starts to happen, uh, once uh, members of the Church of England start to say, "Look, this is just so bad Mm -hmm. that you know we do want something where." Um, a church knows what it's teaching, teaches it unapologetically, doesn't care whether it's popular or not, Mm. doesn't care whether it's modish and fashionable or not, Mm. doesn't care whether it's woke or not, but just goes for truth. Once they start saying that, then I think you are looking, as I say in my excellent column in the Daily Express tomorrow, uh, I think you're looking at the eventual, not the immediate, but the eventual death knell of the Church of England. Well I am one of those (laughs)
0: Anglo-Catholics <laughs> looking to Rome yeah. um, so I obviously have my own views on what I think is wrong with the Anglican Church but do you do you have a sort of uh, diagnosis of why the the Church of England has uh, and actually in the context of this that they are discussing at the moment there's a brilliant Twitter account which you should all follow called friend, uh, Friendless Churches um, and they put up <laughs> their brilliant charity um, and they put out a tweet, uh, basically uh, bringing to everyone's attention the fact that the church is looking to change its rules to make it easier to sell off church buildings. So what is your diagnosis of what is wrong I with mean, the Church I, of England? I don't know.
2: I don't know. I'm not as, as, as clued up as, as, as Anne, uh, Anne and, and Emma are. But... um. I assume is, is it like going from Man U to Chelsea? Is that that no, bigger? That's what he's yeah, done. terrible. Sorry, sorry, to, sorry, <laughs> to, sorry. To, sorry to lower the lower, the <laughs> the theological, lower the theological tone. Can count uh, on some, you, Abby. Somewhat. Yeah, sorry, guys. <laughs> Go, going for the populist um, uh, vote, but I um, would, I, I, I um, yes. Well, I mean, I don't. Part of me sort of thinks I don't really, I don't really blame him, but then the other part of me thinks. Is it better to stay on a, on, on a, on a, you know, better to stay on, a on sinking board? Ship. No, not on a, on a sinking ship. Well, I mean, to, <laughs> sort of yes, to, to check, well, to, to to stay and sort of like put your mast in the sand and say, I'm going to, you know, defend the Church of England. I mean, I I, I, been i been doing that know. for
1: years, he's been doing that for yes. years What you're saying been, is it's gone so well, woke He's reached a
2: point he can't, you know, he can't do it that way yeah, any he's, longer He's seen oh. too many rainbows and sort of unicorns That's what unicorns. strikes me as
0: so interesting is that both Nazir Ali and Gavin Ashenden who used to be the, I, think, I believe he was the chaplain to the Queen uh, also recently converted from Anglicanism to Catholicism mm. is that both of them are individuals who were the ones that would fight F- yeah. for the Church of England to, right. to, to stay sound essentially um, and so if they are the ones who are jumping ship to Catholicism that suggests to me that those who are most savvy about um, theology Mm. and the foundations of the Church of England have decided and as you say because he's from the evangelical side rather than the Anglo-Catholic suggests that this is really like a it's the sign of the changing of the seasons that the Church of England is it's not a sinking ship it's sunk
1: no, I think it's still yes. sinking, and I think mm. it's going to sink terribly, terribly slowly. I, d- I don't think it's going one to happen bishop by, <laughs> yeah, one bishop at a time by Tuesday afternoon, one bishop at a time. but I think I mean, you ask for the reason, the reason is simple enough. it doesn't know what it believes. Mm-hmm. I know, you can get as many different uh, opinions in the Church of England you know, as, as there are in the world. You don't get bums um, on seats by putt-putt courses and well, halter-skelters
0: and lovely I mean, gift
1: shops. Yes. They haven't actually you know, increased their congregations by mm-hmm. adopting a woke policy. They haven't increased their congregations at all. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, if you I'm I, 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 in, in the habit of listening to
0: strange, obscure, uh, clerical lectures and things that some of the more... Um, curious elements of the Church of England put up on YouTube um, and it's obvious, it just seems obvious to me that they are, um, I suppose you would say theologically inept. There's just no meat, is, It's no basis a, a to a it, met- it's a just metaphor, air. A metaphor
2: for the country. Quite. I mean Church of England is literally, is what's happening to they us. They are the canary in the coal know? mine, yeah. the cultural
0: canary in yeah. the coal mine. So um, I just briefly want to finish with final thoughts on a slightly lighter story. Right. Perhaps it's not a lighter story, I don't know. Um, <laughs> dear, crazy story um, yeah. is the National Church of Scotland has banned the word spooky. Hey? Uh, sorry, the National <laughs> Theatre of Scotland. Did I say church? church of <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, <laughs> the Church of No, today. the National Theatre of Scotland has banned the word spooky uh, because they say it's a racial slur. Um, and they oh, say it's a racial slur because apparently no, in World War II, know. US military officers used it to refer to black pilots. Um, and also uh, in the same story (laughs) the National Library of Scotland also not the National Church of Scotland (laughs) um, is apparently amending the words plantation and slave in its collections in their indexes and catalogues and they've changed the word in slave to enslaved person which just seems like it's more words for the same thing Um, and the word plantation to forced labour plantation
1: oh I, I, oh, I, grief. I, I mean, I hardly, I hardly feel like commenting. I mean, the stupidity is just mind-boggling. And as for spook, I don't know the etymology of spook. It comes, no. from, the word, it, uh, it comes from spook in Dutch. But it Dutch. Has, been around, <laughs> really, has been
0: around for a very long time. Yeah. And apparently spook in Dutch simply means ghost.
2: Spook. Uh, but, like yeah. spies. Spook frame. Yeah. Which yeah. that's
0: actually where the word spook comes from the Dutch.
2: Yeah. So it's like, and, and, and as you rightly said uh, earlier on, is, is how are you going to describe spies? if you don't use the word you know spook and also we always talk about
1: spooks when we're talking about the intelligence services if if you
2: want to see a country that we don't want to become look at scotland i mean they really are the canary in the corner (laughs) i don't want to be like them (laughs) you'll be up for racism now i will oh no what a wonderful i've been been
1: cancelled yeah you'll be cancelled all throughout scotland I'm so sorry, Scotland.
0: Uh, Thank you for joining us again. Thank you, Anne. Thank you, Abby. Please um, like if you feel so inclined, um, comment, and we will see you next time.